0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back with an all-new episode of We'll Drink to That with special guests Tristan and Melinda from Happy Girls Don't Do That. How are you guys doing?
1: Good, yeah. Kyle. How are you?
0: Oh, well, you know, since uh, this is kind of a, had it planned and I forgot about it, like I told Sarah, I need to buy me a new calendar and put it everywhere, put me a calendar everywhere so I can look at it and be like, oh, this is what I got going on today.
1: So if anybody's listening, what Kyle's saying is send all the calendars in the mail so he can put one in every room.
0: Well,
2: he likes the firefighter ones.
1: (laughs)
0: Well, I mean, Sarah's the one's checking the mail, so you can send all the mail. She'll pick it out and be like, what is all this crap? (laughs) I don't know. Well, usually when I put stuff on my phone, like as a reminder, it saves it to my calendar. And like, I never got my reminder. So I must have my phone. You got an iPhone, right? I do. Did you get an update and then like lost a bunch of your stuff?
1: No. Yes.
0: Did you? Yeah. I like lost like 80% of my contacts.
1: Really? Yeah, well, I then, guess then now I have back to check
0: my contacts. Two weeks later, and did like the seventeen point two blah blah blah, mm-hmm. and magically everything was back. Mm-hmm. Like, huh. All my stuff in my calendar's not there. That's weird. Yeah, like Chris Lout, like I had nothing, like all the stuff I'd saved with him because talking about future stuff, mm-hmm. it was gone. Notes were gone.
2: That's weird. Yeah. I didn't
0: lose anything. Well, look at you, Mr. Special.
1: <laughs> I, did, I didn't lose anything either, Mike. So I, we're Team A.
2: I feel like they did mess up the keyboard, though. I, it's probably just me, but I've been misspelling a lot of words. No, I yeah. think that's just you being dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been sober, sober too. So
0: <laughs> did you it, get the auto, it isn't just that dumb. Did you get the auto where you just hit space and then like it fills it in for you? It, it tries to predict the predictive text. Yeah, that's that's annoying. I don't like it. If yeah. I take it off, then it takes away all auto auto correct. You need that, don't you? I definitely <laughs> need that. <laughs> so. Tristan and I had talked last year about Happy Girls don't do that, and a little bit, and so we're bringing in the big guns, Melinda, to talk a little bit more about it. We're gonna—I'd like to try to make this more of a continuous thing, instead of being a year. Try to do it every few months and kind of really get this organization up and going.
3: I'm good with that.
0: So, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, Happy Girls don't do that?
3: Happy Girls don't do that is a organization where we educate youth. And now we're starting to branch into adults on happiness, gratitude, and positivity through individual development, community development, and social global influencing.
0: Wow. That's a, that's a big mouthful. project. That is a mouthful. Yeah, but that's what we need right now.
3: There's a lot of broken people. Yeah. And um, happy we know that happiness, gratitude, positivity, those are all things we're not born with. We're not born with them. They have to be taught. And it's not being taught in today's culture. Right. And um, we're losing a lot of that. And I think COVID um, was kind of a precursor to send that over the cliff. Mm-hmm. But um, since COVID, it's, and I coach for a living. So um, it's been very prevalent to me that we're just, our littles just aren't being taught.
0: So how much uh, do you think social media comes into play on that?
3: It's huge. It's absolutely huge. Um, The statistics show that um, social media, although there was a new study that just came out that contradicts this, but um, social media cyberbullying's up by like 74%. Wow. And um, when you, plus the social media is the illusion of everything is perfect. Right. And when you're young and on social media, thinking that you have to live up to somebody else's false standards, it and you and it's not achievable. There is no such thing as perfection, and um, you have to learn to put that aside and be true to who you are and be authentic. And we find that when youth are being authentic to who they are and actually embracing their faults mm-hmm. and their strengths all at once, then they can um, live happier, um, more resourceful lives.
0: Well, like A lot of kids need to remember, ad- adults too, that 99% of them influencers on Instagram or Facebook or Twitch or Twitter, like them jets are rented. They're not mm-hmm. theirs. Them fancy cars are rented for, the, for a couple hours so they can do their photo shoot. They, they, they don't own them.
3: They don't. And, and it's, you know, all, most of the influencers, but not even that, you know, if you look at the age, you know, it's easy to bully somebody when you can't see them right. or you don't talk to them or you don't know them and, um, put it out there. But what we found is the words don't go away. Right. Um, when somebody tells bullies a girl and you know says they're fat or they're ugly or or you don't live up to that we carry that internally forever Mm -hmm. like 30 years later somebody can make a comment and it all comes flooding back and we have to put the all the armor back on again and figure out why why we feel that way all over again and it's painful
0: well the being able to hide behind a keyboard, I think, is like the, is going to be the downfall of culture. I mean, like, like, what was it? What USC fight? It wasn't Chuck Liddell. It was one of them guys. But he's like, somebody was tearing him down about his previous fight. And he's like, you willing to say that to my face? And that and the guy responds, nope, sure ain't. He goes, at least you're honest with
3: me. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But 12-year-old girls. Yeah. You know? And, and even boys. And when you look at social media and all of that and know that... The number, the number two cause of death between ten and fourteen year olds is suicide. Mm-hmm. What does that tell you?
2: Even at that young, huh? Yep. yep. Wow. Ten
3: year olds, and even younger. There was just some one article I read. I sent it to you, Tristan. Um, he was ten, I and it was in Laramie, so. and he told everybody, "I'm being bullied." He told all the appropriate people. And, um, and he was even on suicide watch and he committed suicide at school.
2: That's horrible. It doesn't seem like the schools really care anymore. They,
3: they're over, you know, I would, I see where you can say that, but we have to remember that they're under, they're overworked, understaffed. When I was going to school, if we had 20 kids in a classroom, it was too many. Now you're looking at 30 plus kids in a classroom And it's hard. It's hard to manage 10, let alone 30. Mm. And you can't be all places at all times. And a lot of the bullying takes place behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, and we've had the conversation
1: too before that you're asking there's a lot of schools that have implemented the programs for you know anti bullying anti suicide they're they're putting in these programs, but they're all grant funded mm. that's that's a big deal and that's we can get into it a little bit later, but that's kind of where Happy Girls starts to break the mold um, basically, what that means is that you get money as a school. You know, to do these programs. And then as soon as the money is gone, so is the program. So you're integrating all these different um, ideologies in these different programs to these kids as they go throughout their school year and their school career. And you're asking English teachers to now become therapists, you're asking English teachers to now become life coaches and already strapped, already overrun with, you know, the, the influx of kids that we have, the lack of teachers. Now you're putting more on their plate. So I don't know if it's so much of an issue of, they don't care. I just think that there's, there's only so much you can give. And when you don't have the tools or the resources that you've been taught to do it in a way that's therapeutic and helpful, you're just kind of winging it. And that only gets you so far.
0: So, if we were to take it back to the the basic core of bullying, that it, it stems from the household. I mean, because like...
2: Where else can they going to learn it from? There's yeah.
0: not, I don't know if you see much of that where they're going to learn it from. I mean, there's a lot of outside in, uh, factors to that, but at the household, if parents aren't there or are drunk or high or non-existent, yeah, your, your parents are there, but if he's blacked out all the time, is he really there? You know, and I think... <coughs> being a father to two sons. You know, like I always tell my boys, if you see somebody bullying somebody, you step in and stop it.
3: Absolutely.
0: Once you, once you get the situation taken care of, get, get the situation eliminated, you go back to that bullying and say, what's going on, dude? What, what do you need to talk to somebody? I'm here for you. Cause you, if you just, if you just focus all your attention to the victim, that bully is just as much of a victim mm-hmm. as he is a kid victim victim bullying.
3: So I'm glad you brought that up. So we have a program that we've launched called Just One Hero, hashtag Just One Hero. And you'll start to see it on cars. They're magnets for the back of cars. And um, the statistic behind that is bullying drops 57% when Just One Hero steps in. And you don't even have to know your hero. You don't have to, they can be somebody from the other side of the room that you've never met before. And when that happens, not only does it drop, but it changes the trajectory for all three people. It changes the course of the victim. They now feel worthy that somebody will defend them. And so it changes how they feel about themselves. It takes them out of that victim mode. It changes the um, bully Because now they know they can't get away with it and um, they need to take a step back and refocus. And then it changes the hero because the hero now knows that there's a difference when they step in. And so all three lives are changed and usually changed forever. My bully or my hero stepped in in eighth, ninth grade social studies. And we are to this day lifelong friends. And I didn't know him before that day.
2: Hmm. Do, do you see more bullying with girls to girls or boys to boys?
3: It's boys whole, boys carry it differently than girls do. Girls will internalize it. I mean, all the years I was bullied, um, I, if you had asked my family now, um, I never talked about it. And I had death threats. I had um, really mean things done. Like one time in high school, um, I went to a party and my mirrors, side mirrors on my car, were kicked off. Um, I had chocolate shake thrown across my windshield at below freezing temperatures. I couldn't get home because I couldn't see Jeez. out of my car. Um, so stuff like stuff like that, I never told anybody. Mm-hmm. I just took it because if I said something, then that somehow would make it real. Boys, I think. Um, they kind of have a bro code, and so you guys will usually boys will tell somebody or their friends will see it, and then you you guys form like a pack to sort of stick up for each other. Um, when when those friends step up, girls doesn't happen like that. You know,
0: girls are vicious though. They're mean.
3: <laughs> there are know. mean girls, and there's actually a national Mean Girl um, Day. Because of, off the movie, right. um, Mean oh. Girls. And so we're actually working on our national day. Happy Girls Don't Do That national day for August 27th. And so um, we can celebrate girls who are happy and kind instead of
0: mean. It's, it's weird what society chooses to hold on to is like mm-hmm. being nationally celebrated. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that speaks more to our culture than it does anything else.
3: Oh, absolutely. But, you
0: know, you look at the divorce rate is what, 56% in the nation right now, and maybe even higher today. It's date. higher than that. You know, and you look at all these split families or mixed families, even like that, you know. So like, way I way I parent at my house is completely different than what my son's mom parents, mm-hmm. you know. But I think he gets the good structure of both of us because, you know, it's nice to have have two different styles so he can you know raised there's certain i guess what i'm trying to say is there's certain things i'll never be able to teach him but mm-hmm. there's people in her life that can teach him stuff and there's stuff that she can't teach him that i and people that i know associated with can teach him
3: absolutely so he's
0: you know go back to saying it takes a village to raise a child but you also you also need to prepare that child for the outside world and like i always tell my boys it ain't fair it ain't mm-hmm. a bunch of fucking gumdrops and glitter and everything else. You know, you got to have a little bit thick skin. You got to be able to take some stuff on the chin and, you know, take the L.
3: Some days in our family, we say some days you're the pigeon and some days you're the statue. Yeah. And, um... You know what that means, Mike? Yes, I there. I get pigeons and shit on <laughs> And so you, you can choose. But we know that happiness is a choice. right? And so, and, and you can choose... And it takes, when people practice happiness and gratitude, after about 21 days, 30 days, there's a shift in the brain and how you see things. And you start to see things in a more positive light. And so when we teach this to our littles and even our adults, when they start to make that shift, they become happier internally. The stress goes down. You live a better quality of life. Um, kids score higher on core curriculum. they um, they handle things better with um, strength and resilience. they have more grit, and they can make critical decisions. They have critical thinking skills when they're happier. And so it's so important that we teach this quality in in our kids. and we know that in order one of the best ways to teach, kindness and gratitude and happiness is by giving to others and so once you get the core down in the individual development and you start to look at yourself and how you can change who you are either through a gratitude journal or 30 days of meditation or um, where it's an internal feeling and you start to take that into a community development um, it spreads. It'll start to spread like wildfire because it's third-party contagious. So if I'm happy and I interact with Tristan and we're having a great conversation, she will and then go to her next meeting to you, Mike, and your her happiness, my happiness that she gets, she's going to give to you.
1: So what she's saying is she infected me I with did. her happiness. <laughs> did. And now, Mike... I'm going to infect you. It's a good kind of infection. Though. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's the kind of infection you want. The, okay, kind, the kind you don't have to get shots
3: for.
0: You don't have to worry about that though. Do you mind? I don't think so. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it, like, I'd I really do it, it enjoy the, the principles of happy girls don't do that. I think the world needs a lot more of it. You know, it's just like the, was it, Laramie, cow, the world needs more cowboys. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like along the same, lines as to that, you know, we, we need need people to be held accountable. Yep. You know, bowling. even though I, I don't have a whole lot of room to talk, is at work, you know, I like to joke around. I may take things too far majority of the time, but it's always at a good heart, good laugh, you know. And, I, you know, when people do it to me, you know, it's a good laugh. Mm-hmm. I laugh with them.
3: There's a difference in a good laugh and a little sarcastic humor and then taking sarcasm and that humor and using it as a weapon. And that's where you start realizing that people get broken, kids especially. And as a strengths coach, and I look at people's strengths and what makes them incredible, if you are using that kind of a weapon on your child who is high in empathy or high in harmony, you'll crush them. You'll crush them. And it it takes a lot to bring that back. And so um, that's one of the things we love about Happy Girls is the members get to know what their strengths are and get to embrace that and work through what makes them great. So instead of believing all the horrible things we've been told from the time we're born, we're told no, no, don't touch that, no, don't do this, no, don't do that, we start to believe the negative bias the caveman brain, you know, right. flight or fight. Let's run. And um, when we start teaching what you're good at and how to be authentic, then um, that kind of goes by the wayside.
0: You know, it's it's funny. It's like the parenting style that I have is very iron fist, and it doesn't work with my youngest at all. He mm-hmm. rebels against it all the time. But Kendall, mm-hmm. my oldest, it, it tell him to do some. Yes, Dad. What else you got for me to do? My mm-hmm. youngest. He'll drag his feet and, you know, I was raised in a welding shop from the time I was eight until early thirties, you know? So like the way the structure of who's in charge and, you know, the respect levels, that's how I, that's how I, you know, that's how I, I am as a human. <laughs> so with Drake, you know, I, I've come to find out, come to learn that it's got to be more su- more subtle, you know, to have patience with him. And it's just, it's very, it's been very learning, a very huge learning experience with, you know, and Drake's not my biological son, but he's mine kind of thing.
3: That's, give yourself a pat on the back because most parents would not recognize that in themselves. And I think it speaks volumes. Um, I'm a third generation blended family. And I can tell you that those gifts that were restowed on me through all of the members of my family, um, siblings included, um, I, can, I will cherish forever. And they make me who I am today. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for all of those things that I got from um, my stepmother, my stepdad who raised me, um, grandparents, cousins, aunts and uncles, I, I wouldn't have near the stuff that I have today.
0: My advantage is just the work ethic. That's mm-hmm. why that's, that's the one thing just went, dude, just do as you're
3: told. Mm-hmm. But, but sometimes that takes, you know, and that's well, not going back to the that's board. not on your parenting. That's on what the what their strengths are, and yeah. you just haven't have an assessment for you if you are brave <laughs> enough to take it. So since Melinda
1: brought it up, I wasn't going to shamelessly plug, but I'm going to now. Um, Melinda does a, a an assessment, it's part of the Incredible Families um, program program that Mm -hmm. she does, where you take a test, your child takes a test, and it lays out basically who your kid is. And I was a little bit leery when we did it. I'm like, okay, I'll try. And the second it hit paper, I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. So you've met my kids. Mm -hmm. My daughter is very um, backseat. She'll always take the backseat to everything, to – People who are bullying her to people who are trying to get her in trouble to letting somebody else pick up the work for her. She's always just kind of take a step back. And so it's it's learning how to pull her forward and make her be accountable. And then you've met my son who is like...
0: Exact
1: opposite. <laughs> he is so different. He is energy on two tiny little feet, um, but he's very... um. Yeah, he is. And he, he's so, he's so out front. He always wants so badly just to be in the forefront. He wants to be responsible. He wants to take the credit. He wants to do all these things, but with that comes a little bit of arrogance. And we were struggling really hard with cash when I met Melinda, because he was so compulsive about being right. He had to be right. And it's actually one of his strengths. He is a negotiator. Um, he has to be right. And so Melinda's taught me things when I speak to my son about this is a conversation, not a competition. And it shuts it down immediately because he can, he can take a look at it and go, oh yeah, that's right. We, we, we need to talk. And so if anybody out there is struggling with, you know, they're my kids and I should know who they are. Like they're mine it doesn't work that way. So if you are looking at your kid and saying I should know how this kid works, but you are at a loss, get a hold of Melinda because this program is solid gold. And I say that both as somebody who serves on the board that is um routed around these strengths, and I also say that as a mother who has taken this test with my children, I say it as a wife who has taken these tests with my spouse, and I say it as an individual who has taken them for myself and grown on a level I didn't even know I could over the past year. So from all aspects, take, take these assessments and figure out what it is that make you and your family tick because it's, it's worth it.
3: And what she said on that is strengths are not genetic. So biological or no biological child, right. your children do not have your same strengths. They, they don't. And I'm, I'm one who is not competitive at all. My youngest was the most, his num- number two competition is where he is. And every day was an argument about everything. And finally, when I started embracing his competition and fueling that, but saying to him, you know what? It's not a competition. We just need to have a conversation. Can you put that in the back seat for a minute? He started checking himself, and it it changed our whole relationship. We became a mother son, where we could have a conversation and do things together and have mutual respect, instead of constantly being at each other's Throws. break yeah breaking point. And then his older brother was um, I called him Curious George because he was like a child I never worked with before, and. Um, he was a, what they call a seeker child wanting to know how I caught him running out of the house one time with the toaster. And I'm like, where are you going with that? He's like, I need to see something. Not with my toaster, <laughs> put it back. And, and had I known what I know now, I would have taken him down to the secondhand store, let him buy some toasters and let him see what he needed to see. But this was the kid who we allowed to embrace his strengths and be who he was. He climbed Bomber Mountain with him and his best friend at 16 years old, write a passage by himself, by themselves. Sure. And um, trust me, it was against every parenting thing I wanted to say. I kept saying no. No, no, no. This can go sideways, so many. And finally, we made an agreement that, and this was before cell phones, were really mm-hmm. everyone had one. So he had... Ex- ex- specific rules as he went so that we could track him. And um, he, came, he did it. They did it. They were successful, came back. Well, it, it was so in tune with who he was as an individual with his strengths that when he went to college, he developed a program his senior year, like an outward bound program for new and incoming students to go on um hikes and mountain climbing and whitewater rafting and and my mountain bike as groups and it was received so well that now it's a permanent program in the college and he's the director and so when you allow your kids to really be who they are authentically um they'll move mountains they will they will surprise you it's amazing it's an amazing program. And so when when I started Happy Girls, that was one of the things I was like, we have to make this part of it. You can't be happy if you don't know who you are authentically. Right. And you embrace the things that other people say, like, you know, yeah, I'm I'm bossy. I know that. I'm a bossy little munchkin. But that's part of my strengths. I have command, and I can say now. Tristan will say you're being bossy, and I go, I know it's so pretty, isn't it? <laughs> We're going to get a lot done today, and so I'm living authentically to who I am, and it just makes life easier.
0: So, how much fight when you when you let's see how I should word this? Uh, how much how much of a strain did it put it on your personal relationships once you started once you finally? more or less came out of your shell and became authentic
3: you. Actually, it was just the opposite of that. Um, I started, um, when I started living authentically, great things started happening. People um, were drawn to me. I had more friends. I, I had more real relationships. Um, I started um, coming into who I really was and, and as scary as that sounds, when you when we're hiding behind something all those years, when I came out uh, like who I was authentically, it, um, it opened all kinds of doors for me. Like all kinds of doors. And um, I can't even, like I look back at those years that I wasn't living authentically and how miserable I actually was. Like how painful that was to always feel like I wasn't adequate or wasn't mm. strong enough or you know couldn't get something done because I allowed somebody to tell me who I was and it changed for the positive.
1: I'm going to I'm going to jump in here and agree because I've done the same assessments. I've been working with Melinda for what 2 years now um on getting to that authenticity and she's 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 right. There's just no other there's no way around it because what happens is you just become so confident, and um, set in in your um, deliberation, which is huge because especially as adults, I think we deliberate way more than we should. Should I say that? Should I make this call? Should I do this? And it really narrows down that process to, yes, I should, or no, I shouldn't. And I've, I've said it before, and I think I've even said it on your show, that had I known all of these things about myself, or maybe acknowledged them, because I think you always kind of know Um, as a young person, especially a young woman, I would have expected so much more out of myself and the people I surrounded myself with. Um, I would have demanded that people treated me better because when you look back and you can go, I'm kind of, I'm kind of great. Like I have these really great skills and when you really come face to face with those and accept them, whether they're your greatest qualities or not, you demand that the people around you, you know, take note to that too. And I think once you step into that, you say, you know, I I don't have to do this. I don't have to deal with this. I don't have to be undercut because I'm, I'm comfortable with who I am. And I'm sorry that intimidates you. Um, for me, I I'm very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? very fiery, fiery, as my mom would say, course, I, I'm spicy, <laughs> spicy. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's one of those things where you learn that I'm not intimidating, you're intimidated, and that's not on me to carry, mm-hmm. you know, so it's little things that you learn about yourself, and what to apologize for, and what to embrace, and I think once you do that, there's really kind of something beautiful that happens to you, and I wish I wish young women could learn this at 14.
3: Yeah. I really do. It's the perfect age. I start doing, um, we have a kid's assessment. I start doing the adult assessment when they're 14 um, is the youngest. I'll go on that because they're pretty much done baking. Um, when you look at um, your brain for men, sorry, Your brain isn't fully developed till you're about 25, 26 years old. Makes sense. And um, you start growing into adulthood and making more sound decisions. Um, Girls' brains mature a little bit sooner than that. Um, But even the prevalence of marijuana these days and how kids are smoking it and they're younger and it's becoming legal, it's changed so much over the last 20 years that it, anyone under the age before the brain is fully developed, it is altering brain chemistry so bad that it's even increasing. It's one of the things that's increasing suicide and, um, and uh, apathy and self-loathing. It's, it's really sad. And um, I've seen it in family members. I've also seen it um, in kids in the community. And so, when you start to look at your strengths and who you are, and start to embrace them, and I am very much—I tell all my clients—call a spade a spade. If you're a bo- if you have command in your top and you're bossy, just let people know. They'll be grateful that you told them before you got into the middle of it. And just say, "Hey, I tell Tristan all the time, I'm gonna make you crazy." I'm going to make you crazy. I have strategic adaptability and ideation in my top five. I'm going to make you crazy. And I'm okay with that. Are you going to be okay with it?
1: Mine are like analytical. So her her adaptability drives me crazy because I'm not adaptable. Like it is A, B, and C. It is not C, B, and A. That's... And so there's a lot of times where Melinda pressures me and and pushes me to step outside of that analytical and that strategy to just be like, it's not the way I want it to be, but I can still function and not fall to pieces. (laughs) So, and that's something that you learn, you know, that yes, these are my strengths, but there is a way to still stay centered even when it kind of falls apart, Mm -hmm. which is a really cool thing to learn especially as an adult because you kind of think you have your your shit handled um and then to find out the whole time you've been doing it wrong like you've just been winging it the whole time so it's nice to have some structure that comes with it when everything falls apart and say oh I can pick this up and put it back together so it's it's definitely there's something to it and I I highly recommend anybody who's even curious to take it and you know, let it even let us know. I took it, and this is complete baloney. Or I took it, and holy cow! I'm telling all my friends. I have
3: never had anybody say that.
0: Never. So where, where can they find you to take this test?
3: Um, so you can look at my website, uh, um, Linda Perry Consulting LLCcom or I my office is in Economic Development Building okay. on Sinclair, right right down the hill from you guys, um, and um, they can call me or um, well I. I would say find me on social media, but they just hacked me and I have been wiped off the face of the earth at this (laughs) moment. So
0: you got the nuke too, huh? Uh,
3: Yep. Um, so, but, um, phone call, you know, you can always call me 307-689-8505. I'll
0: have to get all that information from you because we'll put it in our show notes and some other things. Uh, so is it like, uh, is it more like a counseling kind of deal or is it so
3: it's you take an assessment so it's an online commu- computer test um, and which whether you do the parent assessment or the strengths assessment or the kids the littles and we can do assessments as young as three years old so um, the parents actually take that for the littles so if you're wanting to know why your kid only wants to sit and play with one toy yeah, we have the answers for that um, and going with their strengths but you take a quick assessment and then um, I get the results and we sit down and um, go through what they look like and strategies to use them and pull them up forward instead of what's really sad sometimes is we we're because you get a job or you get that you' or me? Um, because you get a job or your job changes. Maybe you take a job that you like. And you're like, I love this job. And management changes or your job changes within the job. And all of a sudden, few few years go by and you're like, I hate this job. I hate what I'm doing. Well, usually when, I, when we do your strengths, we find out. That when you started this job, you were living within your strengths. All the things that make you great and wonderful, you were living within this job. And then the times come where you don't like it. Now you're pulling from the bottom. And so everybody has 34 strengths. And what's your bottom, Tristan? Do you remember? Listening. <laughs> <laughs> ha 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 ha! Kyle's bottom strength is humor.
1: Yeah, mm. my well, okay. So even
3: me, my bottom one is discipline. If if you asked me to do something that was very disciplined every day, it would be the equivalent of I'm right-handed of doing everything with my left hand all the time. Eventually, it's going to make me cranky and mad and. Um, not happy at all and so when we find that you've been pulling from the bottom then we can work on strategies to make it feel right
0: so how, how often not to go all churchy and stuff but mm-hmm. in the bible it says that your seasons will change you need to be able to witness whatever, what, I forget what bible verse it is but they were stuck in the desert and they had a flock of birds and they, they were supposed to follow the flock of birds because mm-hmm. that was going to take them to happiness anyways So how many times has your strengths changed throughout your life?
3: They don't. And so this is what's unique about strengths. Um, So it was developed by a psychiatrist who um, had worked with thousands of people and said, what if we focused on what was right with people instead of what was wrong with them? New concept. Um, It was um, almost 50 years ago. Um, it was in the sixties that this was done. Yeah. And so they developed the assessment around the people. They already had the people. And, um, and what they found was, um, everybody has 34. They narrowed it down to 34. It's, they're all learned behaviors except for one, which can't be taught. Um, and they're not going to say that you're born with it, but it can't, it's a it's a strength that can't be taught, and so you start learning them as young as two years old.
2: And everybody has a different strength like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Everybody
3: has they. You all have thirty. Everybody has thirty four. We all have the same. It's just dependent on our order. And so um, my number one is strategic. And so for years I thought I was analytical like Tristan, and when I found out I was strategic, everybody. Like my coach kept saying, wow, you're strategic. What does that look like? And I kept going, I have no idea. I don't know what that looks like. And so needless to say, I didn't go back to her. But um, when I received my certification and um, really got to look deep at what strategic was, it it moves really fast. I think faster than most people think. And I can see the end result before most people can see it. So is it intimidating? Yes. All those times I was told I was intimidating, too intimidating, too much. It's my strategic mixed with my command. And so, yeah, I, I'm i okay with that. That's on you, not me, because I'm being authentic. But it's on me to help you understand that. Does that make sense? It does. So you don't, your strengths don't change. The only time they would ever change is if you were in a horrific car accident or had um, something where you had to relearn life. And then your strengths would change. Now, can they shift? Yes. So let's say um, Tristan now took a job where she had to work with people every day, maybe as a caregiver. So her harmony might come up a little bit, or her empathy might come up a couple or two, shift a position but they don't change. So you cuz these are things you've learned what you're strongest at, your highest strikes are the ones you have learned your whole life. They have been developed. And so it's it's amazing program. And um they'll they'll shift, but you're not going to bring your bottom ones up to the top. And if you do that, you're going to be very miserable.
1: Well, and and there's This study, and I'll let Melinda kind of fill you in because the numbers, I don't have them off the top of my head, but it basically talks about how we're kind of told practice makes perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, practice makes perfect, practice, practice, practice. But what your strengths show is that that's not really the case at all. You know, if we're digging from the very bottom of our barrel, all we're doing is not catering to the top. And so you're, you're letting your biggest strengths go by the wayside while you're focusing so hard on something that just, you won't get there. And so Melinda's got a really neat study and it blew my mind when I heard it about, they took two groups of readers, one who was advanced readers, just blown away, you know, with their reading ability. And other people who are just kind of mediocre, I can read a book, but I don't really—it's not my thing. And they gave them the same coaches, they gave them the same time frame of catering to speed reading. And Melinda has the numbers on that. Oh, you're gonna, okay. gonna put you me on the do spot.
3: That. You did put me on the spot, um, and I don't remember the number exactly, but I can tell you that the mediocre readers improved by like twenty percent that's pretty good. 20, 30% is really good. The speed, the ones who are already proficient who went through the speed reading, they improved by like 197%. So the whole premise of strengths is let's take, Mike, what you are already great at and make it better. Be And I like to look at it as let's look at a tree. And so if you're you know, um, trying to make the tree grow when you're measuring it from the bottom. Let's say we took a measurement at a foot and then two years later you took another measurement and it looked like six inches, right, has grown. That's mediocre. That's mediocrity. If you take a measurement from the top and then look at how it's grown, it'll go through the roof. And so that's how we train strengths and it's such a
1: good um it's such a good example of what happy girl stands for. We've kind of went into the strengths and mm-hmm. and kind of stepped away from happy girls, but it's such a good it, it it's the base of the program. It's bringing people together and saying you're really good at this and you're really good at this and we can all kind of just be really great together. And it's bringing that kind of influence and that kind of confidence back into communities, starting with children and hoping that it grows. It's hoping that somebody who has now learned their strengths can look at you, Mike, and say, have it, has anybody ever told you you're really good at this? No. No. (laughs) And, You know, and here's what we can do. You know, I see this value in you. I see this strength in you. And I want to help you feel the way that I feel. I want to help you grow. And hopefully what happens is as a community in the Happy Girls program worldwide, by the way, We can kind of start focusing on what that looks like instead of seeing you, Kyle, for what you are not. I want to teach my kids to see you for what you are, and hopefully, that somewhere that makes a difference in your life. And fucking joy, just you are just joy (laughs) in a barrel of beard. That's that's.
0: I did get my beard trimmed yesterday, so it's a little. (laughs)
1: little But I mean, that's that's the whole point of this program, is teaching myself. My daughter, your son, all of us to say, I see you and I see you for so much more than you've been told you're seen for. So often, especially with kids, they're seen for what they're not or what they lack. How many times do you get a call from school and say, My gosh, your kid is brilliant? They're funny, they're energetic, they're kind, they're caring. You will get this call from school that says, Well, they're kind of disruptive, or they're, you know, failing this, or they're falling behind on that. But what would it do to your kid if they came home and came through the door and you said, I got a call from your teacher today. And she said, you were so kind and compassionate today. I'm so proud of you. Instead of, hey, we have to have a talk. You know, and that's, that's what this is, is seeing people immediately for what they are.
3: And what they bring to the table. Right. Yep.
0: So how, I know we talked about it in the past, but how... How exactly are you going through implementing this into the, the schools?
3: So um, we're not a school program. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, and but... so we, um, we have recently um, started partnering with some schools. We did our 1st inner inter-school activity where um, we did a new kids on the block party at the library and invited all the new kids in the district to, um, to a party. And we had six elementary schools represented. Um, from that. And um, it was amazing. And when you look at the influx of people that have moved into Gillette, because we're (coughs) always have people moving in, it takes on average, three years before a child feels like they found their tribe, three years moving into a community. And so you think about that elementary school, you might not get invited to a party for three years. That hurts, that stings when you're in elementary school so this was just a party for them and it was fun and amazing and exciting we're doing working on locker signs right now they're um taking in um we're we're wanting to reach out to the ptos right now to help partner with them and um the littles are starting to grow their chapter so it's pretty cool
1: So if you have a child who wants to be involved in the chapter or if you as a parent think that maybe your child could benefit from a group of like-minded individuals and coaches who are really there to bring out something in them that shines, get a hold of us. Because we have chapter meetings twice a month. They get to build credentials. They get to build portfolios. And there's projects that they have within the community and within their own learning about themselves that will push them forward in this program. And this is something that they can take with them clear into graduation. We recently got cords for graduation, um, and it's something they can take into college. And then hopefully, once they go there, you know, go on and build their own chapters. And the the opportunities with this program are endless. So, yeah, get a hold of us and let us,
3: let us meet your littles.
0: And it's for both boys and girls. Yep,
3: yep. So I'm sure you're curious about the name, right? A little bit. Okay. <laughs> so um, so I coach. That's my job. Mm-hmm. And um, for years I've been coaching youth, and um, bullying is usually one of the things that comes up. And I would always say, Mike, it's not about you. You, bring, you have strengths. You're kind. You have amazing things that you're bringing to the table. It's not about you. It's about the other person because happy girls don't do that. They don't do it. When you're happy, you don't need social media. When you're happy, you don't need to put on a presence about yourself. When you're happy, you don't need to put other people down. You embrace the joy along with them. So um, happy girls really don't do that. And when you start looking... Just, I challenge you to go through a day and look at some of the stuff that happens to you within the day. Even in the grocery store, when you when you say excuse me to somebody and they look at you and grunt. If you were the next thing to say out of your mouth was happy girls don't do that, you will see how well it fits with everything in our community. Because really happy girls don't do that.
1: Well, and then Denton Knapp, he's also one of our board members who is by far one of the most amazing people I've met. He's a 30-year veteran um, just an incredible human being. Um, he brought up something along with Jim Hastings, who serves on our board as well, that when girls are happy, boys are happy. And that's kind of the base, you know, you bring women into your home as home giver or home caregivers, caregivers. (laughs) fumble that one. And, you know, we raise your children, you know, not by ourselves, of course, but, when, when you have that influence in your house, when your kids come home to a happy mother or, you know, a happy family, a happy couple, there is something to it that when, when a girl is happy, boys are happy. You know, we're kind of a lot of times the heartbeat of families. And I know you've said it before with Sarah, you know, there's, there's times where, can you imagine if just every time, every day you came home to Sarah, it was just awful and hateful and, you know, there's something to that heartbeat of your family. And so happy girls really do give a lot to, you know, not just the community and your kids, but your home as well. And that goes back to that toxic family, you know, conversation that we had a while ago. Um, yeah, so there's something to it.
3: And we know when girls work on community projects, the boys follow. Imagine that. that is true. Well,
0: being a male, I can tell you why.
3: <laughs> but it's still you still get value out of it. Right. So um, whether you're joining because of the girl or joining because it's something you want to participate, you're still getting value and you're still bringing value, and that's what makes us stronger as a community.
2: <coughs> I read something. It was a, it was years ago. So I don't know if it's true or not. So it said by the time we're like five or six, our personalities then are who we are. Mm-hmm. Or is that just like leader follower, or is that?
3: Um, well, we if we were to look at that from strengths aspect, yeah. You're by the time you're five or six, you start knowing. I you know if you're a seeker child or you're a negotiator, or your your personalities are pretty much starting to form. Um, I when I coach, I always tell people, ask your family when you use this strength, the first time you use this strength or what it was like. And I can tell you that when I was little, my command was way higher than it is now. And so I was really bossy when I was like, really, really bossy when I was little. And, um, my mom was, um, very grateful it shifted down as I got older. And so it's actually my number 11 strength instead of my number three. And so um, we do shift a little bit, but your personality, yes, is starting to form by then. So if you're introverted, you're probably going to, those are your strengths. You have thinking strengths that are keep you on that introverted level. If you're um, everything's an argument and you're negotiating everything, then she's training a lawyer. He's going to be a lawyer someday, probably. But, um, but you're, you're already starting to build your character. And so let's embrace that. Yeah. I I heard
2: that once and it's always stuck with me. Mm -hmm. Does it, it just seemed like such a young number. Mm -hmm. I was just miserable at six.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Pretty young.
0: I don't think you're that. I don't think you're miserable at six. I think society has beaten you mm-hmm. down so bad to make you believe that you are, in fact, this miserable. Yes. Yeah,
3: that is true.
1: So, what I'm hearing is Mike should take the assessment.
3: I hear that. And as then well. I
1: hear that Mike should report back to, we'll drink to that, about his findings on his assessment. I should. You should. Yeah. And you can say, hey, I'm not miserable. I'm, what's, what's the strength for miserable?
3: Hmm. Hmm. Harmony. Harmony. I have harmony. I don't have any harmony. It's the, it's, it's the kumbaya strength. <laughs> well, It'd be interesting. It, it is it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. I will say that. I'm very accurate too.
0: So, Tristan, when you took yours, was was yours pretty spot on to what you thought your strengths were? Oh,
1: Yeah. Um, I, I don't have them on me and I know I I should have have them. them. Oh gosh, Melinda's going to (laughs) share. So while Melinda shares, I'll just kind of give you a preface of my life growing up. Um, I always tried to be less and I shared on the happy girls Facebook page here a couple weeks ago, a post that Melinda had asked me to recap from a year ago when I had originally posted it. My entire life, I I tried to be less because I was too bossy. I was too compulsive, um, too loud, too, I I mean, just too much. And that's that's kind of always been the base is you're just so much. And that's not like this crazy, I mean, because you've known me a long time. It's not like this crazy outgoing, loud in your face personality. It's just, yeah, I'm not doing that. You know, I've been told I'm too bitchy. Um, excuse I mean, I don't have to excuse it on the your, your podcast, but I've actually been told you're too fuck you. Like I've been told that. And so when I did the strength assessment with Melinda, I realized that all of these things that I had hated about myself for so long were actually the things that kind of made me really resilient. And I think that there's things and situations in my life that had I not had these strengths, I don't know if I would have survived them because I was, even young, I was capable of putting them in perspective, you know, really having a perspective about, yeah, it sucks, but it's not the end of the world. And what's next? You know, that's always been my thing is what's next. I can sit here and I can cry about it, but it's not going to fix anything. And being aggressive and being assertive and being all these too much things, there's there's so many points in my life where they really were my backbone. And instead of and like I said, I wish girls would have learned this at like 14 because had I have learned it, I wouldn't have hated myself so much for being so overbearing. You know, it's and so mine.
3: Well, you would have handled yourself. <laughs> I would have handled myself. To, a you would have handled yourself differently. Right. You would have carried yourself. Um, differently.
1: Well, and I think, you know, because mine are so such in your face strengths, um, a lot of times I know at certain points in my life, I turned them into aggression, um, just because that's what they feel like. You know, there's so much going on. There's so many emotions that are just in your face. It must be aggression. I must be confrontational. I must be all these things because I didn't know what else to label them. You want to hear them? I do.
3: Okay, here's Tristan. Deliberative, command. Well, oh, look, you've got the bossy command string. <laughs> Analytical, harmony, significance, restorative, individualization, intellection, responsibility, and focus are your top 10. If we were to go a little further, you have consistency, adaptability, and relator.
1: So I'm just a barrel of organized fun. Mm-hmm. And you <laughs>
3: wanna... uh, no, I, I know that you're not because I've helped you move. Uh, <laughs> I blame my husband who has
1: none of these strengths. Yes. So,
3: so do you want to know what your bottom one is?
1: Um, empathy. No. No.
3: Positivity.
1: That makes sense too.
0: So I have a feeling my bottom would be empathy. Yeah. Uh, just one thing that was not prevalent in my growing up
3: mine's in the middle and so it's um which is kind of funny because I coach for a living and right. so I'm like rub some dirt on it. put it in the wash it'll be grand <laughs> <Right. know? laughs> rub some dirt on it you'll be fine and maybe that was good that I raised hockey players you know because um yeah you know, my son will tell you I made him skate with a broken foot and a broken finger and all kinds of other things expensive It is very expensive. We're not missing this weekend. Don't don't even talk to me about how much we paid. My dad asked me one time how much I had paid from the time he started. He was three um, when we got him on the ice till college because my dad would always buy his skates. And um, we kept track of everything because of the volunteer time. It was well over six hundred thousand.
2: Yeah, so. I believe it. I started playing at ten, and I grew up in Douglas. So we didn't have an outdoor rink, so we we'd come up here to practice. Middle, mm-hmm. like we'd get home at midnight,
0: mm-hmm.
2: or and then, since there's no indoor rink, we'd be traveling all over the state to play. wherever we could. Yeah, or Montana, we went to North Dakota, Canada once.
3: Yeah,
2: Canadians are really good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. Is, it's in their blood. Yeah, <laughs>
0: so. my oldest season kickboxing right now, and it's starting to rack up. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I like the structure that he has with kickboxing. I like the guy that's teaching it, the the support he gets there. You know, a lot of the things that probably lacks in this household that he doesn't receive, he gets it there.
3: That's what I liked about hockey is because they were too tired to, um, they were focused, but still too tired to get into trouble. and um, And they were just it was like they became different children mm-hmm. and now as adults they're addicted to the ice and so there's those three months of summer that i'm like i don't even want to know you right now so
0: <laughs> see like kendall my oldest he does kickboxing four nights a week then monday wednesday fridays he wakes up at 4:30 in the morning to go to work open gym and mm-hmm. he is religious about it yeah never misses a day he's sick he still wants to go he had uh pulled a, uh, a ligament in his hand, and then the doctor, the orthopedist said, you know, you need to take a break. And I told him, I was like, you're 13. Let's not go down this journey. Don't be like me, where you're 16, having ungodly amount of surgeries on your shoulders because you tore them up and didn't listen. You know, you got a future here. And it it, it it really drove him nuts. And then finally, we took him back to the doctor, and the doctor's like, yeah, you can go. Just go light. And, I'm like, and I told him, I was like, you really need to listen to this guy. And I think now that lot like me, I know he hurts, but he's not going to say anything because he doesn't want to miss out on the opportunity to continue on doing what he right. loves.
3: Yeah. There's some resilience in there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's pretty fun to watch. I, I'd like to have another child, but I'm too old. <laughs> I've already got it in my head that retirement is only eight years away. That's when Drake walks across the stage and I'm done. Then me and mama can go off into the wind. <laughs> nice I know you got what 13 more years don't don't put
3: that plan too far out there because you know every time you make a plan it gets changed so you hold on to that very quietly (laughs) (laughs) no I'm speaking into existence
0: I'm shouting it from the rooftop the mountaintops what you think about you
3: bring about is that what you're going with okay
0: yeah I'm, I'm a very universal kind of guy there you go speaking of the universe it shall it shall come back
3: I believe
1: in that. I want to be a millionaire. I want to be a millionaire. I... Oh,
3: you have to sorry. embrace it. <laughs> we're so, you can't I just was, say it. I was speaking it to the universe <laughs>
1: <laughs> and everybody else listening. Send your checks to... Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Well,
0: but it, I mean, that, that goes a lot with what you guys are talking about, embracing your strengths and everything else. You know, if, if you were to fulfill every fulfill your biggest dream that you have in life, you know, you come at it and you figure out how you're going to do it. I mean, what more amazing things can happen than than coming out. Like, I'd like to have this podcast be nationally ranked number one, world ranked number one. Possibly is that happening? Are very slim to none, but there's a possibility and it's just going to take hard work determination and me and Mike getting our shit together and being more consistent with it and building on it. I think we could do it.
3: Consistency is key. Yeah. Progress over perfection.
0: You know, and I don't like to look at this as a job. I like to look at this as a a passion project. Mm -hmm. And, I think we we have the capability of doing it. It's just understanding the timeline.
3: What is it they say? If you live your passion, you'll never work a day in your life?
0: I can tell you this. There's been some work. This is a passion of mine, and there's been some days I look at the laptop, and I go, not today. (laughs) Not today.
3: I think that's with anything we do. I think that is with, that's just reality of life. I think that's with anything. like things. Our passion can even break us. And I've told Tristan that I think sometimes my passion could break me easily. So,
0: But that's the beautiful thing about your passion is that you're playing on a very fine line of keeping the thing that drives you and motivates you and happy and excited to wake up every day. And then that, that could just a little crumble and that could destroy, destroy you. But at the very bottom of your soul, your being that passion is always going to be there and you're going to find a way to go back and rebuild it and make it better and stronger and a better foundation and everything else.
1: Well, and when you're the only one catering to your passion, because there's a lot of people who do that, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about this and it's kind of a one man operation and the days where it gets really hard or it's too much or when you open up your laptop and go, man, I just, I can't today. It kind of all falls on your shoulders and that's the success and the defeat. But with this organization and the program that Melinda has put forth with it taking light and becoming a national organization on the days where you just can't, it's the community behind you that's going to pick this program up and say, no, we're doing this. Even on days where you can't, we can. And that's, that goes along with the positivity message and, you know, the structure of this program and what we're giving to it. So it's uh, like you said, you know, your passion can, can drive you into the dirt, but when you make other people passionate about it, mm-hmm. there's something beautiful that happens when, you know, people just say, you know, let's keep this going and let's build this fire and let's, you know, get it going. And then there are going to be days that it's going to be too much. That's just the brass tacks of it. But with this community and with this organization, there's always somebody there to reopen the door and say, Come on, let's do this. And so many people don't have that. And so I think anybody you know, who's, who's tied themselves to this organization and this program. It's kind of a family, and there's some, some really great structure that comes with it, and I think anybody who comes aboard is, is lucky to have that and to share along with it.
0: Well, like I told you before, in my marriage, it's not always 50-50. Sometimes it's 90-10. Sometimes it's 80-20. Sometimes, you know, whatever. And that's because where Sarah can't go, I'll pick it up. And the days that I can't go, she'll pick it up and that's and I, everybody needs a structure like that somewhere, and I'm really happy that you brought this into our community. Oh, thank you. I, I, I'd really like to do more to help out and get it going and get it bigger and brighter and fulfill it and fulfill all those dreams of yours that you have. And I Thanks. think this, this thing could be, I think it could really set Campbell County and Gillette to a different standard throughout the nation that we could possibly be the one community where people look at and go to do studies, why is this community so much happier? Why is everybody so much better? You know, life is so much better for, for this community. What is going on? And you know, that the possibility is there.
3: We need to change the directive so that we're, we're the exception. And I think Gillette, I, I was a transplant in junior high and I thought my dad and mom lost their minds, like literally. And, um, we wasn't hard, yes, but those things that were the hardest for me are now the things that I understand at a different level that I can bring to happy girls to change that. And I always said, even I was that girl who wanted to get out of Gillette faster than anybody after high school. But um, once you see Gillette for the opportunity and growth that it can give you and look at the the community that we have inside the people that bring that, I think th- our youth would be really shocked at how great Gillette really is. And, um, I'm honored now to have happy girls corporate office be in a community like this.
0: Well, you look at Gillette that as itself, the, the majority of the people here are very genuinely decent people, mm-hmm. nice people. And I found that the people that are moving in that are the, I call them that, uh, the pipeline transplants are the ones that really give us the bad rap because they're here for just a short time. They're not here for a long time. They're here for a good time. And that's where Gillette, I think people get lots well, of shithole. It's a, it's a, it's it's that, it's the, the people that are here that have established roots and, and building a family here are the people that people need to recognize and bring up and say, mm-hmm. no, we're not, we're not just a bunch of bar rats. You know, we don't, that's not us
3: mm-hmm. I think um, the people who move in I I would challenge them to actually um, take a step back and um, get involved you can't sit on the outside or the sidelines of life and criticize people when you're not actually you Doing know anything. participating and so um, we have great culture in Gillette we have great um, ethics and and there's Great opportunity if you were to move. I have cohorts on the western coast, on the west coast, and they don't have near the opportunity that we have here in Gillette. They can't, they don't have an economic development to help them with anything. They don't have a local SBA to help them get a business started. They don't have the opportunity that we have. And so if you're moving in and you're new to Gillette, uh, take jump in be a part of the community um, get to know the people who are, who have built this community and made it strong because um, we do have great morals and we do have great values and it is an opportunity to grow
0: well and I, I'm starting to see the people that represent Gillette the best that are that are moving in people like Cheryl and James they own the cigar box mm-hmm. when they first came here the first thing they did they got involved with in the community you know, they didn't, they weren't quiet. They haven't been quiet. You know, they, if there's something to donate to, like we went to the Festival of Trees. They were a donator. They donated to that. They, you know, they, they do a lot for the community, but they do it behind the scenes. They, they're not looking for the publicity. They're not looking for, but they they have <coughs> accepted that Gillette is home. This is my home and I'm going to fight for it. And that, that's,
3: that's amazing. And I wish more people would embrace life like that.
0: Well, you know, I, you know, I kind of been thinking about that a little bit because I'm just sitting there talking with James a little bit. I kind of look at James as my mentor. You know, I, every guy, every man needs somebody that has more experience, more knowledge to mentor them to make them a better human. You know, and so James has been my mentor. And, you know, just talking with him, you know, it's, it's, as, it, it's as it is to say, but I think people are scared. They're they're afraid to make a splash or be known because they're afraid of the criticism that comes along with it. You know, and it, it's once you get over the fear of being public enemy number one, that's when you that's when you're gonna make the biggest positive waves.
3: And then I would counter that with once you start living authentically who you are, that fear goes away.
0: Yeah. I mean
3: when you're when you're true to who you are, um and you start to see your gifts as great things to bring to the table and you can share those with people and Tristan can say hey I'm analytical I need more data than what you're giving me right now to make a decision or I'm high I'm deliberative I need a few days to you know come to a conclusion but I promise you when I get there it's going to be the best for everyone involved Um, you know I like to joke about mine but Really, um, if I were to tell you why you want me on this team, you would probably be shocked at what I tell you um, that I bring to the table. And so, when you can start to say that and own it and be proud of it, people are going to let you own that. People are going to see you differently, they're going to act differently around you. You're going to be that person that you've wanted to be for a long time. And that's what we want to instill. And our youth and give them that power. Give them their superpowers.
0: Give them the, give them the, the one ep mm-hmm. that we didn't have.
1: And it's such a hard thing. And you can say it's something you have to practice. It's not just, oh, I got it. I, it you genuinely have to practice over and over. So like I've mentioned, I've known Melinda now, what, three years? Four. Four I think, years, yes. I would say. And we're very close. I mean, I come to her, you know, like you said, on a mentor level, on a friend level. Um, I, I really look... Up to and respect our friendship, partnership, whatever you want to call it. And it's very open and very transparent. And here a couple of weeks ago, I had to come to Melinda and really put my strengths out there and say, listen, I will do anything that you want me to do, but please don't put me in a group of people and make me ask questions or small talk or mixer vibe. And it was so hard, even as somebody who knows me and who's somebody I trust very much to come to the forefront and say, I have a weakness please don't put me in that situation. Um, we had a a little bit of a mixer here in town, a ribbon cutting for happy girls, and there was some icebreakers and I was so uncomfortable and so out of my element and taking that step forward to somebody I know and saying, Hey, we have to reevaluate what I do here. On
3: my defense, you were broken at the time. So I got you out of your broken zone. That's, that's
1: very true. So, (laughs) but I mean, it takes practice. And if it's that uncomfortable coming out to the forefront and saying that to somebody I know, it's even more so to come to strangers and say, this really isn't for me, but I can help you here or, but I am an asset here. And so that, that kind of hiding behind the scenes is such a toxic behavior because people will acknowledge you and will respect you for who you are, but you can't, expect them to just know you have to find your voice and say, Hey, I'm really good at this. And I would love to help you here, but I'm not your raffle ticket gal.
3: Well, and when you're looking at littles, yeah, especially elementary, um, higher elementary and junior high, if Tristan had that power when she was little, she could have easily gone to her teachers and said, I don't learn this way. I learn better. I need more information. I need more data. I need more time to process what you're telling me. I need to be able to take notes differently. That, um, would, that would change the whole outlook right? of,
0: of a child's life. able you know, to right. go to a teacher and say, hey, this right. is the way you teach.
3: I can't do and it. And so Farmers. I am a firm believer, you know, I coach youth and I'm a firm believer and we have to teach our youth to be their own advocates because we can't always advocate for them. And they have to be able to have a voice. And my dad, Army Captain, Vietnam badass, can I say that? Oh, you can say yeah. whatever you want. He's, <laughs> he's still, I believe, he's still the most highly decorated war hero in Wyoming. Told me one time I was I was suspended from a sport because my grade was a D. And, um, I was like, I don't know how to deal with this teacher or whatever. And he said, this is not my responsibility. This is your responsibility and you have a voice. And if you want back on the sport, you'll go take care of this. And, um, taught me at a very young level that I had, I needed to advocate for me if it wasn't right or I wasn't being taught right. I need to be able to say that for myself. And it's better to be able to say that at the time it's happening than to go two weeks or three weeks or have your parents come in and wait for a parent-teacher. Give your kids the power of a voice and let them say, you know what, I don't learn this way. My son has CAPD, and for years, you know, we had to teach him to advocate for himself and to say no I need to sit here in the classroom so that I can process what you're saying better. Or no, I can't can't do this visually this way. I have to do it this way. To, I think it's it's empowering to be able to say what your strengths are and be able to tell somebody that especially when you're little.
0: So being, we like, will take a uh, 14-year-old and they, they go through this course and they go to their teacher and they say, hey, this isn't working for me. My thought process is the teacher is going to go, I don't want to tell you, I got 200 of you guys to teach.
3: A teacher who, a kid who knows how they need to learn best, I have not ever met one teacher who wasn't willing to listen or help find a strategy that would work for them. In order to see that they're successful.
0: See, a lot has changed since we were in school. Because if I, I know for a fact, if I would have came to one of my teachers and said that, get the hell out of here.
3: Yeah, no. It's I. I think anymore, you know, if a child comes up to a teacher and says, "Hey, I need I need do- notes on a different level, or I need to sit in a certain spot, or I'm very deliberative and it takes me a while to process." Um, I'm not going to be the first one to raise my hand in a brainstorming situation. I can't, I don't function well like that. But if you give me enough time, I can come back with a really good solution to the problem. And so being able to understand that um, from a teaching aspect, I think it would only make both parties better. Mm -hmm. You know, I
1: remember I was in second grade, this is recapping, you know, several years ago, but I had a teacher who to this day was one of my best teachers I ever had. And I think you remember them. Um, I couldn't sit in the class. I couldn't, you know, sit in my desk and have a story read to me and all these kind of things. And so she used to let me go back to the playroom and I would hang upside down in a chair and read another book. And I remember being able to answer those questions that she was asking the class who was front and center from the back cubbyhole with another book in my hand. And she had a parent-teacher conference with my mother outside of parent-teacher conference. And she says, I don't understand. I don't understand how she does this. And my mom looked right at her because my mom has always been a little bit of a force. And she said, it's not up to you to understand. She goes, is she getting the answers right? Well, yeah. She goes, and that's what matters. She goes, it's not up to you to understand how or why. It's up to you to let her learn how she learns best. And after that, I had a free reign of, you know, not disruptive, but whatever I wanted to do, however I learned. And I think if more teachers understood this, you know, what would it do to your school system? And that's the other thing. And that's a whole nother topic. But, you know, schools get graded off of the performance of the children that are inside their facility. And so why aren't we teaching these kids to give them the very best chance to make your school or your class, you know, front and center and you know, have rate, or I guess they don't call them ratings. They call them statistics or, you know what I'm saying? I um,
3: they think they're still graded. G-
1: yeah. And yeah, to get all their funding. right. And so what if, what if we completely rethought the purpose of teaching and what would it do to your school and your community when more money started flowing in because you have this excellent, you know, rating that your school has, all because we're teaching based off of strengths,
3: and suicide rates drop. Yes, and we're happier. No, that's and that's healthier. one thing that I don't understand why we don't
0: throw just about every penny we have at at teenage suicide rates. That that is uncalled for. Um, that is that should you, not.
3: You can throw all the money you want at it, but until you get to the core of right. of what, um, how these kids feel, and social media, and gaming in the basement for hours by themselves, and And not even living life, the problem's not going to go away.
1: Well, and something really (sighs) odd that we found when Happy Girls started, when it kind of hit the ground running, is that there are no statistics that you can get your hands on. And I don't know why that is. If you start looking at suicide rates, we know that suicide is the second leading cause in death in girls from 10 to 14. We know that, but what we don't know is what's leading to that. We don't know why we don't know if it's bullying. We don't know if it's bad home environments. We don't know if it's, you know, failure. And once you start digging from what is it? 15 to 17, Mm -hmm. the statistics fall off the map. There are none. And so anybody that you call, we've called the National Suicide Hotline. Um, we've called the National Suicide uh, Prevention Agency. All of these people, and they say, I'm sorry, I can't help you. Mm-hmm. So as organizations who raise billions of dollars to figure these things out and put out campaigns, why are there no answers? And so that's something that Happy Girls has worked on for years now, is trying to find these numbers. We know that young people are committing suicide. We know that Campbell County is the number one place in Wyoming, the number one community in Wyoming. But what we don't know is why. The
3: highest Nobody wants to talk we're about number one in the country for suicides um, Campbell County is, and, um, it's up 34% in women, second leading cause of death, um, in 10 to 14 year olds. That's second to cancer. <coughs> like how sad is that? And what's even more scary is where, when you look at the numbers that we can't even attain, like we know that suicide's a problem. We have those statistics. You can't even find numbers like that in another country. There's no statistics in other countries there's no statistics on bullying in in europe there there isn't so you look at even though the cultures are different you know that it's happening but there are no numbers and so it it leaves this big gaping hole of how can you throw money at something if you don't know what to throw money at and
0: well, it, it's not even, I just, the saying just throw every penny that you have it is just a generic saying for me. Right, but, but it, it, it's the fact that it seems like the people trying to come up with a solution to the problem it seems like it, it, they have to fight tooth and nail to get any, I mean, like any funding. You know, it, it seems that we're willing to go fund a new complex, you know, the $237 million we're going to put up for a new complex, but, Yet our suicide rate is what it is. Why isn't the county commissioners and the, the, our city elected officials saying, "Hey, here's an organization that's trying to come with a solution to a very big problem"? And now nah, let's go ahead. In,
3: in our defense, we were granted money, so um, we we did get one um, percent on the county. We did get a one percent grant for five thousand dollars for marketing. So but that um, number
0: should be like five million dollars.
3: Well. <laughs> when, when, when the county, it would be nice.
0: But but, but but when the county is making over two and a half billion dollars every every quarter, you know mm-hmm. there, there there's something to say about that that
3: we're not putting our money where we need. to.
1: Melinda, are we still crowdfunding?
3: Um, it is I believe you can on our website. Okay. You can go on and and hit the donate now. Button so our that. website is um, happy girls, www. happy girls don't do that all one word, no apostrophes, so just all the letters, dot org. And if you look at the website, it'll say, um, donate now and people can go in and donate. Um, and, um, we did just get off a crowdfunding campaign, um, that was attached to that for a while. And so it's just constant, you know, we're, grassroots company this people seem to think one of the biggest questions I get asked all the time is who are you affiliated with who who are you affiliated with we're not affiliated with anything this was my passion my brainchild my um what do you want to call it your baby my baby it's all me and I developed the program I developed the plan um we developed the structure we put a board together. We got our nonprofit status. It's one step at a time to build. Um, thank goodness for social media. Uh, not right now, but <laughs> my, you know, right now I'm not. But um, we did build a group on social media that's at um, uh, over 1,000 members worldwide in 10 different countries as well. Um, we have a presence, and um, we're getting ready to launch where we have our positivity conference in February and at the end of first quarter we'll be launching an affiliate program which will be a paid program a subscription for a year that gives um, access to um, positive um, speakers and positivity conference and um, all kinds of information we'll be launching an online course um, at the uh, second quarter and then We'll be offering group coaching and um, individual coaching packages through the Happy Girls site. So that's all coming down the pipeline for next year in order to um, help build the funds to facilitate chapter growth across the country. So,
0: Well, when I look at the analytics of our podcast, it is people 28 to about 42. And with that age range, you know, most, of, most everybody that listens to it has kids. So I really encourage everybody. We'll put everything in the show notes, the website, uh, how to go donate. We all need to go donate to this. This is this is a very home touching thing with with freaking suicide rate that freaking high in Gillette. Yeah, you know, that Campbell kind of County number one out.
1: in the nation.
0: It kind of bugs me that it's that high. And that it's not. There's really nobody besides you guys really do anything about it. Talking about it.
1: Well, and that that kind of goes back to that being held at bay by grants. And that really goes back, you know, like that to who are you asking for money? How many times do you have to ask for it? Who, what changes, you know, I didn't get this grant. So now I need to go to a different one. And there's no groundstones that are being laid where there's a lot of programs and Gillette has had numerous programs throughout the year, but they all are beholden to whoever's writing that check. And that's where Happy Girls differs. That's that's the brass tacks of it. That's the whole thing altogether is this is ours. We don't need, you know, to well, I don't say we don't need to apply for grants because we are, but nothing that we acquire financially is anything that we ever want to have to answer to, I think. And I don't want to speak for Melinda, but I think the financial contribution that we're asking for is needed, absolutely. But I- I don't think any of us ever want to be told, well, the oh. money runs out, you know, you can do this until the money runs out. Right. And so our goal is to not have that ever happen. We don't ever want to face the day that the money runs out and our program has to go away till the next one can kick in. Mm-hmm. And so by going on the website and donating and coming to our our functions and donating where you can and coming, you know, we have gala coming up in December and by coming to those, having a presence, getting out your checkbook to donate, and by sharing the word, what you're doing is you're making this organization so self-sufficient that if we have a grant program or a grant person that says, well, we don't really like your message, we can say, okay. And we're not, we're not just at the whim of whoever feels like we deserve it. You know, this is a program that deserves attention, it deserves to be front and center, and That's what we're doing is really making it something that is, it has longevity. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think what a lot of this community, when it comes to programs like this is missing is the longevity that comes with it.
0: Well, I think it's an excellent program. I mean, everything that stands for everything that you believe in that doesn't, that there's not enough words that I can think of to like say how much I am for this (laughs) and how much I support it. it. It's it's been a long time coming for Gillette to have something like this.
3: Thank you. Grateful. And, Grateful and for that. Thank you.
0: And we're, we're going to have you on again and again and again, and we're going to pound this down the throats and we're going to figure something out.
1: So we could maybe even do a will drink to that challenge somewhere. We could do share your one hero on our happy girls, Facebook page, hashtag just one hero. Mm-hmm. And then also hashtag will drink to that podcast and maybe we give away a prize?
3: We could
0: do that. Yeah, we'll have to work work, we'll do some work on that. We're fighting yeah. with RSS right now. Nice. Again.
1: <laughs> Again.
0: <laughs> we keep getting flagged. Yeah. But I think after the end of this year, we're going to switch over to a different streaming service. So it'll have to be after their first
1: year. Things that I don't have any knowledge on, but I'm sorry you're going through that. Mm. See my empathy shine? Did you see that? I did
3: see that. <laughs> My empathy, empathy
0: shined really bright when I got on the phone. not <laughs> want to know why the hell my podcast
1: just getting deleted. They don't call that empathy, Kyle.
0: No, I don't. Like I said, I don't have a whole lot of empathy. So on We'll Drink to That, we're starting something new. Uh, what's the reason you'll drink to that? You know, it could be what's uh, somebody that's uh, influenced your life, a situation that brings happiness and joy to you, a reason to go cheers.
1: Mm.
0: Start with you, Tristan.
1: I will drink to optimism. Mm. I'll drink to that because there's a lot of things that are coming down the pipeline and there's a lot of growth that's potential. And I'm going to drink to optimism. Perfect. Melinda?
3: I'm going to drink to kindness because it costs absolutely nothing and we can literally change somebody's world by being kind.
0: And I think I'll speak for Mike and I. We'll drink to that to you guys, to this organization. Thanks. And I was going to say what Tristan said, but she took the words right out of my mouth.
1: <laughs> that, that's a the, Word
0: for word. Co-host of a podcast, and he's a man of very few words, and there you go. We're going to
1: hire the guy that doesn't talk. <laughs>
0: that's not nice. But again, I, I, you guys are, we'll drink to that of the week. And like we, we are going to, me and Michael, start brainstorming some ideas and start pitching them down to you and see what we can do to help grow the same into what it needs to be and what it deserves. Definitely.
3: Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you.
0: On behalf of we'll drink to that. That's it folks.